Welcome to the Blue Roads Changemaker Podcast. I'm Patty Talbot, CEO and co-founder of Blue Roads Education Group. In this series, you'll hear reflections about what it means to be a homegrown changemaker. We focus interviews around the Blue Roads mantra, homegrown solutions for a patchwork world. Our guests are amazing changemakers, solutionaries, and social innovators who've taken the path from local citizen to global changemaker and or from global citizen to local changemaker by working to change the system that creates the world's most challenging issues close to home and around the globe. I ask participants to tell us about their origins, how they've engaged with others different from themselves, how they work to create solutions, and how they've used these experiences to make the leap to changemakers addressing the UN Sustainable Development Goals. As their host, I try hard to take myself out of the conversation as much as possible so you won't notice the typical back and forth of the interview process. I hope this will help you to hear their stories as a complete narrative that addresses all four quadrants of the Blue Roads Changemaker Journey, Homegrown Solutions for a Patchwork World. Today we welcome dancer, teacher, and writer Carol Crawford-Smith to talk with us about her Changemaker journey. Carol is the first changemaker representing the arts in this series that celebrates the work and lives of social changemakers. You'll remember that I interviewed her amazing son, Garland Smith, founder of the Omashana Company, a few weeks back. When you hear Carol's story, you'll fully understand where Garland got his ability to live his life to the fullest with both purpose and grace. everyone. I am honored today to be here with Carol Crawford-Smith. Carol, I will first start by telling you how I know Carol, and then through the course of our conversation today, you will learn all about her and her wonderful changemaker story. But I first knew Carol as a parent when I was principal at Margaret Beeks Elementary School in Blacksburg, and she had two wonderful sons that were at our school and part of our community and she was a wonderful, supportive parent. So welcome, Carol. I'm so grateful for your being here with me today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm very happy to be here and um, very happy to hear about the exciting work that you're doing. I'm, I'm very, like I said, happy to be a part of it. And I thank you for the invitation. Thank you so much. And some of you listening in may remember that a few weeks back, I interviewed Garland Smith, who is Carol's son. So if you haven't had the chance, I encourage you to look up his Changemaker journey story as well. And you will notice that Carol is wearing the Omushana t-shirt that is very important part of Garland's story and the company that he runs. So I would be remiss if I didn't point that out to our audience. Carol. Thank you for being here, and I'm going to ask you um, a set of four questions as we discussed, and the first one is in the homegrown quadrant of our framework for changemakers, and the way I always frame this question is this way. Who are your people, and where were you grown, and how is that important to who you are today as a changemaker? I was born in Albany, New York. And my people are the Jeffords family from my grandmother's side of the family and the Springsteen family from my grandfather's side of the family. Now, that's on my mom's side. 
on my father's side, there are the Crawfords, which is my maiden name. And then there are the Bryants. They're from Florida. So my father is from Florida. My mother is from New York State. I was born in Albany, New York, and raised in Poughkeepsie, New York. So I'm a New Yorker who moved to Virginia. I moved to Virginia to work at Virginia Tech, and that's what brought me down there. I attribute my life experience as a dancer only not only to my parents as they're my biological parents, but because they're my greatest supporters. When I was a young dance artist, I studied ballet, and as a performer and student of ballet, I auditioned for the Dance Theater of Harlem in New York City, which was south of Poughkeepsie, about an hour and a half to two hours south of Poughkeepsie. I went to the summer program of the Dance Theater of Harlem in 1978. And at the end of that summer program, the co-founder, Arthur Mitchell, invited me to join the company. So that was the beginning of my professional dance career. I traveled and performed with the Dance Theater of Harlem for 10 years after that. We traveled along around the world. I've been to every continent except for Africa, believe it or not, but I've yet to visit Africa. I hope to do that one day, the continent of Africa. Garland is there now, and um, he loves the continent. Yes. And he's very close to people that he has met there. Yes. So as a professional ballet dancer, I was um, diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So the solution that I had to deal with personally, was how I could dance and continue to teach dance. When I moved to Blacksburg, I opened up a dance studio, the Center of Dance, which I founded in October of 1994. After I opened the studio, that's when I began experiencing symptoms. The symptoms after diagnosis turned out to be multiple sclerosis. I gradually lost the function of my legs and the ability to dance, but I still had the mental capacity to teach dance. And I continued to teach, own, and operate the dance studio and teach the ballet classes that were very much a part of my curriculum. I am currently teaching dance to some of my students, but I am teaching on Zoom. And that's been a wonderful adventure, just learning the whole technology and being able to have my students meet with me regularly for Zoom ballet classes. Comrade forward one, long spine up. Lengthen out of hips, then back. Up, time to second. Two demis, one round plie. Straight down. 
for you part one. I have never, to be honest with you, felt that I was different than anyone and that we had different abilities. But I have been in situations where I have encountered individuals that were not as cognitively able as I was or I am. So that would probably be the biggest challenge that I've had or experience that I've had of late. I am currently in an assisted living and in the assisted living where I live right now, I am the only one who is cognitively able to talk and communicate. It was like that for the past two prior assisted livings as well. So in order to alleviate that or in order for me to stay active with my mind, I write. I write and I publish and I am able to articulate my thoughts on paper, even though I am not able to articulate them with other individuals. I would say of late, especially when teaching my ballet students who are anywhere from Seniors in high school to PhD students and graduate school, I like to communicate with them to find out what's going on in their lives now, to tell them what I'm experiencing in my life, and just have chat sessions. I like to see what their needs might be from me and what I can or need to receive from them in terms of conversation, in terms of advice, in terms of direction for where to go forward from here. I would say to always follow your heart and your dreams in whatever it is you choose to do. It may be something that you're familiar with, you're comfortable with. For me, it was dance. So I continue to share my love and my ability and my connection to dance, not only with my students, but with the outside world, the non-dance world. I share what I love to do. I share how we can make that connection as well as familiarity with one another through dance. I, as an international dancer, I met people from other countries, other nationalities, other languages who did not speak my language, but because they love dance and because I love to dance and share it, we have that commonality, that in common. Find interest that you may have, whether it be an art, or whether it be a educational tool you can share with others. Um, Be willing to share your culture, for example. Be willing to share about where you come from with what experiences you're getting with the other culture, with the other individuals. There are many different forms of the arts, from the performing arts 
such as dance, to theater, such as acting, to the literary arts, writing, to the um, visual arts, that you can reach out and be a part of other people's world. You can, through your creative elements or your choice of art, share what you experience and what you know by projecting, say, through a performance or through an image that you create on canvas. There's always a way to connect with people to what you can share and deliver visually as well as performance-wise. Beautiful. And I, I think for myself, who's not an artist in any of those forms, I mean, I feel that I have a creative side to me. But what I find is that the arts teach me and the arts teach me about the world and the arts make life kind of worth living <laughs> in many ways. That's what makes your heart sing. That's what makes you learn. And even some things on television that, that seem kind of light, I think there's sometimes the opportunity for instructive storylines that people can right. story on the stage with dance. We can hear a message that we might not access in any other way. So that's really powerful, Carol. Yeah. I, I would say one thing that you would be able to do or should be able to do, no matter where you live, is to visit an art space, like a gallery yes. or a museum or someplace where people have been able to express themselves creatively and put it on display or exhibit. And you yes. can learn through other people's what they share through their art or share through the visual. You can learn about other people and their experiences that way. Carol's example as a dancer, a teacher, and a writer provide powerful ways that we can and must continue to share our gifts as long as we live, no matter the obstacles that may be put in our way. She challenges limitations as she allows her own life and work to demonstrate how the arts continue to be integral to good health and well-being, which is global goal number three, throughout our lives, no matter what our circumstances. As a teacher of dance, she's a shining example of global goal number four, quality education. Likewise, we can all learn a lesson about the usefulness of technology to reduce inequalities, global goal number 10, and accessibility during these times when roadblocks seem to be popping up everywhere. There is always a way for teacher and student to find one another. What about you? Are you engaging with the world in ways that bring about the global goals collectively? Get in touch and let us know. Thanks for tuning in to the Blue Roads Changemaker podcast. We hope you'll follow our work and learn more about how you can get involved and start your own Changemaker journey at www.blueroadseducation.org. 
We'd love it if you could subscribe to the Blue Roads Changemaker podcast and give us a rating on iTunes so that others can find us too. This also helps to elevate the voices of the amazing changemakers you're learning about in our series. Mm-hmm.